Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios. Throws a pass in the corner to Abo. Abo shoots a three and he hits it. And a foul on Keyshawn Gilbert and a four-point play. So if you, if, if you didn't think it could get worse in terms of making threes, now you've got a made three and a chance for a four-point play. They call a foul on Keyshawn for oh, wow. getting him with his foot. He didn't even go. Gosh. What a terrible call. That I mean, he didn't even touch him. Kevin Kruger really upset and it is a four-point play can i get a technical over here yeah i always get kicked out yeah you can this is the press box right side there's the ball underneath to maloka maloka slam dunk and no foul call are you kidding me what an absolute abrogation of responsibility i mean maloka got his arm almost broken on that play as he dunked it and they didn't call it this is atrocious rebels are within seven with graney and bischoff smith Going to bring the ball back out. That's smart basketball. And That's a jump. Rebels try to tie him That's up. A jump. They call a foul. That's a terrible call. EJ Harkless is furious, and Kevin Kruger looking at the official as if to say, "That's three. I just read his lips. He said, "That's three. You've stolen from us." EJ Harkless reached in, grabbed the ball, and tied up the player. And now they've called a technical foul. What a Terrible I mean, call. They, they've got to they've got to address the fish. I don't even like to get on the fish. I mean, officials, it, but it, I, it's I understand bad. the technical, but the technical no, was called caused by the official completely yeah. blew that yeah. call. On ESPN Las Vegas. Looks like it's gonna rain. <laughs> no, no, that was just Boise State's first half. Looks like it's gonna rain. I thought it was supposed to be like hot this week. I got up this morning. It's a little warmer, but a lot of clouds. You want to talk about UNLV? Well, we'll get to that. I'm just saying it looks like it's going to rain. Let's talk about the weather, man. Yeah, darn right. I don't. There's no one here to <laughs> wish National Women's uh, Holidays to. Like Lindsay. You can't ban Lindsay to the corner. That, I was on that. I that did not happen. <laughs> that never happened. She's the one who turned around and tried to play the character <laughs> over there. I was the only one who remembered it was National Women's Holiday, National Women's International Day. I was the one who said happy to her. <laughs> then she tried to play some character that didn't exist here, turning around and facing the wall. It's great work by Lindsay. Yeah, great work by Lindsay. It's gonna rain. It's gonna rain. The first bite. Uh, why can't UNLV win the Mountain West tournament? Win in the Mountain West tournament. You know what I'm doing here. Yeah, you're giving out moral victories. Um, no, I'm clapping for the boys. Yeah, what that's comeback. what a moral victory what a is. Ed oh, Grady stop, is giving stop, out moral stop, victories. Stop. I should have stood up. I should have given him a standing ovation. What a comeback last night. What a comeback by the boys. I thought it was really cool. I did. I thought those kids fought to the end, and I thought it was really cool. I thought it was watching that thing. Just Boise making everything in the beginning. They couldn't miss throwing things in. It was like, man, uh, and to come all the way back like that and hit the three and Get to overtime for the third straight game. I give them a lot. I give them a lot of credit. That's how you can build some culture. Oh no! What are you doing? That's how you can what build some culture. This? What's I'm, happened to you? Yes, I picked them to win. You're giving out moral victories and culture. Yes, building? that's how you build culture. That none kind of, of those game. kids are going to be back. Oh, they are too. Did There's you hear kids. Justin Webster after the game? They're going to be back. Did They're you hear be. Justin Webster after the game? Got asked, "Do you plan on coming back next year?" Justin Webster, the guy who played the most minutes last night, said, I've got to talk to my family and coaches about what's best for me. 
while Kevin Kruger's sitting two seats away from him. You should always talk to your family about what fits for you. Everyone on the team should do that. Eight new players next year. All right, I'll make you bet right now that he doesn't have eight new players. He's not going to have eight. He's not going to have eight new players. Was he going to have seven? No, I'm just saying. Well, here's the thing they need eight new players. He's not going to have eight new players. He's not, he's not going to have that many again. I think this now, is going to be not, a heavy portal I'm not year. Count, I'm not going to count the high school kids coming in, the JC kids coming in. We already know they're coming in. So, again, you're saying I think it's a heavy portal they got, year. They got three kids that are out of eligibility. Three are gone. Five guys are transferring. Easily. Oh, no. Easily no. five guys are transferring. No. That's, it's not anything that's going to be close. No. They're coming back. That kind of, that that kind of comeback builds culture, man. What happened to you? <laughs> no, what? I'm telling you. What's dude, going on right I now? I picked him to win, and I loved the I comeback. Like it. I loved the comeback last night. I thought that was really cool. I did. I th- they could have just said, hey, kids kids in the halftime could have said, you know what, we're done. It's over. Season's over. Um, we'll we'll play out the second half. Like you know you know we'll just you know play hard. I you know we'll try, but. Um, to come back, was it like a 15-2, 15-3 run? I'm trying to think. Is it a 15-3 run to come back? Yeah. I'm just, I'm doing nothing but, I'm doing everything but standing right now. This is, this is bizarre. I don't understand what's going on. No, you want me to, you want me to. Uh, I don't want you to rip them, but you don't no. have to give them a standing ovation because I they didn't I quit. I haven't stood up yet. I've only clapped. You're basically saying, good job, they didn't quit. It was EJ Harkless's last ever college basketball game, and you're happy I'm he didn't quit. I'm basically saying I thought it was cool that they came back. I thought okay. it was. I liked yes, watching it. It was a ton of fun. It was a ton of fun. It was watching a great that. game. Hell, the Mountain West had three great games yesterday in the Mountain West tournament. The last one was. Uh, last one was a blowout. Yeah, but the yeah, other they two. Did have, they did have. They did have three really yeah. good games. Yeah, they did. Two, two to overtime. Yeah. Right. Didn't Nevada go overtime? San Diego State almost went overtime. Yeah, so if Isaiah Stevens hits the, the three quarters court, oh no, the, well the three quarters court. Did he miss the layup? He also? did. He could have given him the lead with the layup in transition, and he missed that one. So, all right, forget about this team because you're giving him a standing ovation. Since 2014, UNLV has not been to the semifinals of the Mountain West tournament. Not the NCAA tournament. Not the NIT. Not win the Mountain West. Not the finals. The semifinals. Since 2014, UNLV has not been there. Nine of the 11 Mountain West teams have made at least one semi since UNLV last went. The only two that haven't been since 2014, UNLV and Air Force. Amazingly, since the 2013 Mountain West tournament, UNLV has not pulled off an upset by seed in the Mountain West tournament. We're a decade away since the last time UNLV beat a better seed in the Mountain West tournament. And then I'll give you one more stat. UNLV hasn't made the NCAA tournament in 10 straight seasons now. That's the longest drought in program history. It's 2013. Yeah. Eight of the 11 Mountain West teams have been to the NCAA tournament in the last decade. The three that haven't are Air Force, San Jose State, and UNLV. Spartan's still alive. Here's... That is true. They could go. <laughs> they could go. They could Here's go the problem. Forget about this. Year. I don't want to hear your standing ovation anymore. I haven't stood up yet. I'm going to do that at the end of the segment. I've just clapped. We, in, in the last decade, the UNLV basketball program has performed like a bottom three team in the Mountain West. They are one of the three worst programs over the last decade in this conference. And the only two that are worse are Air Force 
and San Jose State. How is that possible? Well, that's that's the best question you've asked. How is that possible because of the advantages you would think that they have over some of the schools that would be in front of yeah. them at that point? Every other program except San Jose State and Air Force have had an NCAA tournament team in the last decade. UNLV has not. If you went through, I should do this, if you went through just the conference records over the last decade, I'm pretty confident UNLV would come in ahead of Air Force, ahead of San Jose State, and that might be it. Maybe they'd get Wyoming, but that might be it. This is conference records? Com- just the, conference records over the last, the last what, decade. Years? They're, they're behind everybody except Air Force, San Jose State, and then I'd have to go check Wyoming. That's the only other one they could possibly be in front of. They're, they've been bad for it. This isn't a three-year stretch. This isn't even a five. This is a decade of UNLV comparing poorly to Mountain West teams. And in that time, I'm trying to think. Simon, oh, he's counting again. Beard, Menzies. Otzelberger and uh, Kruger. Six, six coaches, coaches six if you include coaches. Kevin, uh, Chris yeah. Beard and Todd, Todd Simon. Simon. Yeah, six coaches. Yeah. There's something wrong with that. Right. There's it's something not, wrong with having six coaches it's in not, that, that span. That's what I, I've said It hasn't before. been an individual coach. It hasn't been no. a single group of players. No. It, hell, it hasn't even been an individual athletic director or individual president. No, there's been a lot of those, right. too, out there. It is yes. unbelievable how UNLV... Again, I'm not talking about the NCAA tournament right now. I'm not even talking about winning the Mountain West. I'm talking about just compared to the other teams in this conference... They're in the same tier as San Jose State and Air Force over the last decade. And that is the most unacceptable thing that could ever happen to UNLV basketball. Okay, so how much do you think it has to do with you've had six coaches out there? Well, they've all, they've all been bad. They're the ones that, like, we talk about the turnover and the lack of I continuity. Mean, Rice went to a couple tur- NCAA tournaments. And then had three straight years where they were bad. Like, that's, I mean, he had three straight years in a row. He got fired in the middle of one. But three years in a row where they weren't that good. And... You sh- like yes, continuity would be nice, but it would be very nice. Continuity of a winner is what you need. You well, don't it's what you want. Yeah, yeah. like you're not just going to keep coaches around because you need continuity if they don't perform, right? Like you, if Marvin Menzies was, you're not going to keep him for seven years if the guy never goes to the NCAA tournament. You got to fire guys eventually, and so what did he get three years. All right, I'm. I think it should be less three, continuity. Seven and, three. seven and three is a big difference, though. Seven and three. I, I, mean, I, agree, I agree with you in seven. Yeah. I just think three. I think they fire people too early out there. I do. I think three. I think three's the perfect I number. Don't know. You get three years. If you can't be in the NCAA tournament in three years, you're not going to do it. <sighs> I'm not so sure. I think other. we've seen across the country other guys get more in three years and get to the NCAA tournament eventually. In the Mountain West, last you're decade, one men, coach. You're talking about the Mountain West. Uh, one Nico, coach Nico has Medved. been to the NCAA tournament who didn't go in his first two Nico, years, right? and it was Nico Medved. That's it. Last decade of hired coaches in the Mountain West, there's only been one guy that didn't go in his first two years that eventually went, and it was Nico Medved at Colorado State, and he went once, and his team's not any good this year. Right? He built up with David Roddy and Isaiah Stevens. Once David Roddy was gone, his team's not any good this year. It's, you should be turning over quickly. If a guy can't do it in three years, he can't do it. All right, you give him three years then. Yeah, then that's fine. But the, you're not going to keep you're not going to keep a bad coach for the sake of continuity. So this program's been awful for a decade, and it's unbelievable how bad they've been. It's unbelievable that UNLV is the same as Air Force for the last ten years. 
Same exact amount of success as the Air Force Falcons for a decade. A program that has to recruit guys that are 6'5 or shorter. Well, they have to fit in planes. Yeah. It's unreal that UNLV is in that situation. Is that true, Jerry? I don't know if that's true. I just enjoy the idea that that, that is the, the comp. Is <laughs> at UNLV, we have a certain standard, and at Air Force, you have to be under 6'5 to fit in a plane. You have to, so, you know, on the recruiting it, trip, do you bring the uh, measuring you stick? You bring a yardstick. You bring a yardstick and say, uh, Jimmy, you're 6'6". Yeah. Six, six. Basically, that's what you do. Nah, they have tall. some tall kids who aren't pilots. They do. They do have a they couple do, of tall kids every now and then. They tall kids who are not pilots. They're not always uh, coordinated, but... <laughs> They can shoot threes. I saw Sometimes. it the other day. Sometimes it happens. So it's just unbelievable how bad UNLV has been. Again, for a decade, it's been like this, which is right. incredible. If, if at they any don't... point you said UNLV basketball is not going to be competitive in the Mountain West for a decade, that's nobody would believe you, but that's what we've seen now for the last 10 years. It's incredible to me. Should I stand up yet? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Right. I don't know what you're clapping up. because they I'm came back up, but yeah. lost in overtime. Jerry's clapping with me. He's an alum. Oh, boy. I'm standing up. I'm clapping. I give him this standing ovation. You can say what we're doing in the <sighs> studio here. It's a radio, so no one's no one's looking at it. Uh, I, I'm standing and clapping. What a comeback. Coming up next, Ed comeback. gives a standing ovation to the Tampa Bay Lightning, too. <laughs> Lightning come across the line offside. Look out, a skirmish ensues after the whistle. Maroon in the midst of it once again for the Lightning. Everybody's joined in. The linesman hopping. Oh, we've got several punches being thrown. Perry is into it with Haig. They go down. Bogosian pulling on the back of Haig's collar. Kolasar pulling Bogosian, grabs him around the neck. All four players are locked up. The linesman desperately attempting to pull them apart. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Maybe I'm forgetting one, but that's one of the all-out line brawls that we've seen the Golden Knights have this season. And, and Maybe hell, ever. Yeah. Maybe ever. I mean, there have been some in the past, but all five skaters on yes. the ice got ejected yes. from the game. That was a... That ended up game going to overtime. It was a two-goal game at the time, but they ended up going to overtime after all five guys on each team on the ice got ejected with less than 10 minutes to go. Like, yeah, eight like, something left, I think. Like, Tampa's trying to come back. The Golden Knights trying to hold on. Fairly big game. And, yeah, we're just getting everybody ejected. The good thing for the Golden Knights is it was, what was it? It was Howden, Kolasar, and was it Amadio? I can't remember who the exact. Oh, it was Bluger. It was, you know, not the, not the three most important players. Although, you'd probably throw them out there for some defensive shifts uh, if you needed to. But the Golden Knights won that game four to three. I feel like I haven't done this in a while. That was one of the best hockey is dumb games you'll ever see. Because Tampa Bay was completely outplaying. Oh, the the expected goals at just five on five last night, 2.99 for Tampa, 0.77 for Vegas. It's incredibly bad. And the best, the best part of hockey is dumb. One, you get teams that are clearly dominating and lose, but the best part, is when you get somebody scoring a goal where they absolutely did the wrong thing and scored or just didn't mean to. And William Carlson's shorthanded goal last night, he did not shoot. And I see it. I was, I was watching basketball. Puck just, he, well, it would have been a penalty had it not gone in. Right. But he was on a breakaway and did not get the shot off. And it just kept going underneath Vasilevsky's under legs and into the back of the net. And Carlson, on the close up after he scored, had to ask his teammates, did that go in? 
Hey, that's one to get. He's he's needed one recently. <laughs> yes, that's Billy not Carlson's been scoring. needed one. He's not been scoring at all. Um, but I will say, for whatever reason, Alec Martinez's game-winning goal is like one of my favorite goals that I've seen scored because in overtime, Jack Eichel takes a shot and it kind of somehow squeezes through Vasilevsky, but it doesn't go into the net, right? Vasilevsky slows it down enough where it's just kind of sitting in the crease. And Vasilevsky hasn't realized where it was. And Alec Martinez just comes power skating in to get to the puck. And he gets there first, diving, gets his stick on it, and knocks it in then. I don't know why, but that's like one of my favorite goals that I've seen scored. It's like the desperation of, I don't need to do anything skillful. I just I'm need just to gonna die. I just need to get there. And, and, and I'll, and I'll hit it, it in. in. I need to get there before the goalie turns around. And finds it. And it was great. I loved every part of that. So there was a very classic, hockey is dumb, but the Golden Knights got to win. The Kings win. We still tied. Did they win last night? The Pacific is fun division. I don't know who's going to actually win this division, but it's a fun division. Actually, the Golden Knights are going to win this division. It's going to happen. I think so too. Um, still tied. Kings, like, Kings five straight. Like you go to Tampa and win when you're getting beat down like that, you're going to win the division. Yeah. That's going to happen. Um, still bunched up, though. I mean, Edmonton's in fourth, and they're only four points out. I agree with you that they're going to win the division. I don't know if you want to play the Kings in the playoffs. I don't. Kings seem like the Kings. Kings seem pretty good. Five in a row now. Yeah, they're they're peaking at the wrong time. Everybody <laughs> talks about peak at the right time. This is not the right time. The right time is as soon as the playoffs start. Rather play Seattle. Well, yeah, we've collectively we've decided Seattle, Seattle is Seattle's the worst the team in the history of the NHL playoffs. That's, yeah, that's going to make it. Yeah, yeah. Even though they just did a year where like twenty seven teams made the playoffs coming out of the bubble. Or in the bubble. Like, yeah, everybody's in. Everybody's it's fine. In. It's fine. Everybody's in the playoffs. Goaltending. Jonathan oh, Quick. Jonathan Quick. Stopped 34 of 37 shots. Uh, he had a 919 save percentage. It was his first start since December 23rd, where he had a save percentage over 900, which is hilariously bad. In his two starts with Vegas, he's got an 893 save percentage. But Aiden Hill went back to Vegas, according to oh, Gary Lawless. So here we go. Presumably, he's not coming back on the road trip, no. right? You send him home, he's not coming back. So they have three more games before they go home. They play Saturday and Sunday, and then they finish up with Philadelphia next Tuesday. week. Tuesday. So three games with a back-to-back. Yuri Patera's playing a game, isn't he? Well, if he is, he's playing the second one, I would assume. Well, who are the... Who are the uh, no, St. Louis is in there. Maybe the Carolina is, first and then, then St. They Louis him, second. They probably give him St. Louis. Yuri Patera is going to play a game for the Golden Knights while is, they are in first or second place in the division. Is the only reason Quickie didn't also get in, in the fight because he looked over and said, oh, my God, Patera yes. would have to come in? Yes. He, he, he would have skated up to fight Vasilevsky. Fight, yes, but he said, I can't do that. Yeah, actually, Kelly McCrimmon, ran, he was going to, but McCrimmon ran on the ice and held said, him back. Please don't. We didn't see don't. it because it, it was too far away, but McCrimmon actually ran on the ice to stop because Jonathan said, please, Quick. we've got Yuri in there and we don't want to play him. He's like Michael Hutchinson. We're scared to death to put him in net. So we're probably going to see Yuri Patera on Saturday or Sunday. Is that his first game? I think, yeah, it's his first NHL game true. ever. I He's never played in the NHL. NHL game. So we could conceivably see him play this weekend. You know what I'm cheering for? Yuri Patera to outplay Jonathan Quick. Well, I mean, given what Quick he's done in the recently in recent times, I, I don't know how crazy that would be. Like if they play Carolina, I kind of hope Quick gives up like five, and Yuri and Patera has like a shutout two, against gives up St. One Louis. Or two against St. Be Louis. great, actually. 
Okay, here's a question for you. How bad would Jonathan Quick have to be for the Golden Knights to pull him for Yuri oh, Patera? No. He'd if, have to be just ridiculously horrible, especially if they know they're playing Patera the next night. I it what, like six? See, I was gonna I say mean, like, Dallas scored ten last night. They did score ten. I was gonna say what if he what if Quick gives up like three goals on the first six shots of the game or something? And they pull him and they play him the next night? Like, would they pull Jonathan Quick? Or would they just say, all right, we lost this game. Suck it up and tough it out, Jonathan. I think the latter. You think so? <sighs> Man. I don't think they'd pull him. I don't think they'd pull him. Talk about losing confidence. Here comes Yuri Patera. Does Cassidy know who Yuri Patera is? No. <laughs> he thinks he's the Silver Knights emergency goalie <laughs> who's 50. Genuine question. What is that would, guy 50? No. What would they do if... Quick or Patera got hurt. I mean, well, one would play the rest of the way and hope you get back to the hope you get off the road and like, you can come back and make decisions. They have Isaiah Seville as their only healthy goalie at the moment in Henderson. You'd be down to two organizational goalies, basically. Unless you go down another level. Yeah. Which I, I don't know which... if the I don't know if the players with the Savannah Ghost Pirates are actually under con, uh, contract with the Golden Knights. Like a lot of times when you get that low, it's, they're just signed directly to the minor league team, and they don't actually have a Golden Knights contract. So, they're like, it's been so bad. They're one injury away from like Darren Millard being yes. the emergency backup Millsy. goalie, and like Isaiah Seville and year. Like, if, in all seriousness, Jonathan Quick's thirty-seven. If Jonathan Quick like hurts his hip or something, Yuri Patera and Isaiah Seville are the goalies of a team in first place in the Pacific. Yeah, it'd be beautiful. What are we doing? And how about Aiden Hill? Uh, lower body injury day to day. Aiden Hill is returned. Yes, it's just it's <laughs> you're you know exactly what's going to happen every time these guys have lower body injuries and they think it's day to day. Well, now like I'm waiting for the tweets here within like an hour. Aiden Hill's on IR. Aiden I'm Hill. Just, I'm just surgery for out for the rest of yeah, the year. I mean, it's every time with these guys. Because when did Laurent Brossois got hurt? Because he was day to day when he got hurt. Yeah, and now and he's now been he's, out for like two been, weeks. And he's he's been on IR. Yeah, Logan Hutchinson. That was there's no way they said it was going to be this long. Logan Thompson. Excuse me. I'm excuse, excuse me. Logan Thompson. Yeah. There's no way they said it was going to be this long. And now it's like, yeah, maybe he'll be back before the end of the season. Yeah, with like ten games left to give him some time. They said Logan Thompson is basically I don't Zion. That. This is, we got Zion yeah. over here. He's like, when's he going to be back? I don't know. Sometime. Got to be a hamstring if it's Zion, right? Going to reevaluate in a couple of weeks. And, yeah, exactly. And then tell you he'll be out another week, two weeks at least, and then we'll reevaluate again. We'll figure it out from there. All right, coming up next on ESPN Las Vegas, Ben Brown joins the show. He's the only guest who says, have a good show. Wow, he's a data scientist? I guess he's slumming. PFF's Ben Brown joins Grady and Bischoff on the press box. Ben, good morning. Hey, Ben. Good morning, fellas. How how, how you guys doing? Good. Happy Friday. Good. We're very good. Um, it's about to rain. <laughs> <laughs> Meteorologist Ed <laughs> has been giving us the updates on the weather. Just by looking out the window, too. I enjoy yeah, that that's beautiful. your update. Yeah. Uh, but Ben Brown is with us, which means uh, I get to ask him a lot of dumb questions. Like, if you were going to bet on where Lamar Jackson takes his next snap, where would you place that bet? That is that that is a really good question. I do think you know the the addition of the non-exclusive franchise tag obviously is the the, the wrinkle for you know Baltimore right now. So they do have to give up their own you know two first-round picks this year, and next year. So 
in, in some ways that like doesn't necessarily completely rule out teams like the Raiders and the Falcons, but I, I think it's I think it's difficult to see either one of them kind of giving up that seventh or eighth selection to get Lamar Jackson. I know he would definitely be worth it, but then locking in that long-term contract as well, especially if they have fallen in love with a rookie quarterback, it, it just doesn't seem like that's really likely. So I, I think most likely scenario, he does end up in Baltimore making you know thirty-two million dollars, and we have you know essentially a, a very similar discussion next next year on where Lamar Jackson ends up. If not there, you know maybe Detroit, maybe somewhere else. But uh, the, the options I would say are uh, seem underwhelming for Lamar Jackson more so than what I would have expected earlier on this week. We talked about this. Are you a collusion guy? Are they just going to get together and say, we're just not going to do this? We're not going to go to the uh, level he wants us to go to? I mean, I, I very much would assume that the, like things like that happen behind closed doors, whether it's happening in this instance. You know, uh, maybe, I guess, you know, there does seem to be, uh, you know, a weird amount of teams that very much came out very quickly and said they weren't going to be interested in Lamar Jackson. So it, it seems like the goal is to at least have him back in Baltimore on the one-year franchise tag, and kind of see how things play out then again next year for agency. Another fun, dumb question. If you were betting on where Aaron Rodgers takes his next snap, where would it be? I still think it's the Jets. I thought we would have probably heard something you know, sooner rather than later. Maybe they're just trying to iron out some of the trade, you know, trade hang-ups and those sorts of things. But I would be pretty surprised if it's not the New York Jets. You know, outside of New York, I guess Las Vegas very much probably is the, you know, the the second best option there, and they could make a run at him, you know, as well. But I think it's probably the New York Jets are bust right now, and we're kind of just waiting on, you know, the draft capital that needs to exchange hands in order for those two teams to make a deal. Would you bet on Jimmy Garoppolo getting the same sort of money as Derek Carr and these other mid-level quarterbacks that are getting, you know, sixty to eighty million guaranteed? Oh, that's a good. That is a really good question. I, you know, I I would have probably said I was if Derek Carr got that type of money and he did as well so it, it seems to be the mid-level expect, expectation if you do think a guy can maybe move up into that like top eight ranking in any given year but very much fits as like you know the a top 15 or top 20 quarterback like he probably is going to be close to that 30 million expectation so although it seems outlandish for me and I wouldn't want to pay it I think there's probably enough teams that see Jimmy Garoppolo in a positive light to probably give him that type of money wow have you uh, bet at all on the Saints to win that division? I haven't. I know there. You know the, the. I think like the day before it broke or something, there were some rumblings of it happening, and and the numbers started to move a little bit. But to be honest, it, it wasn't really a spot I wanted to get involved, even if I knew the number was going to move a little bit uh, in that direction. So I don't know. I I still think Carolina is going to make a play here to get their guy in the draft. I also think Atlanta. You know. They came out and said they didn't want Lamar, but, you know, it, it does seem like he is, you know, at least somewhat likely if he doesn't go to Baltimore to end up in Atlanta. And if either one of those scenarios happen, I still don't think the Saints end up getting it done in a bad NFC South. So I would rather probably wait and bet the Panthers or maybe even the Falcons before, you know, this season kicks off, I would say. How good of a quarterback do the Panthers need to be favorites in the NFC South? Like if they get Garoppolo are they the favorites in the FC South, or do they need somebody better than that? I think if they, you know, move up and draft, um, and end up drafting basically like Bryce Young, I do think they would probably move to, uh, you know, the favorites right now. It's the Saints, basically like plus one forty, plus one fifty. The Panthers are at plus two forty. So 
It, 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 I don't think Garoppolo probably moves the needle enough. Obviously, if they did get a guy like, you know, Aaron Rodgers, which it doesn't seem like they're likely going to do, um, you know, I, I think that would very much be the spot with their favorites. But I, I could see them moving to probably, you know, um, co-favorites with the Saints if they do get a guy like Bryce Young or, or, or Anthony Richardson, I would say, in the draft. So looking at uh, that division you think it'll be the Panthers at the end of the day because they ultimately do get a quarterback and it's not uh, Matt Corral or somebody like that starting for him? Yeah, I think that's very much got to be, you know, the direction that you go. And then, of course, if if the Falcons somehow land Lamar Jackson, obviously that's going to shake things up. But if they don't land, you know, Lamar Jackson, I, I do think the Panthers overall have a better team with Desmond Ritter at quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons to the point where the Panthers should at least be moving in the right direction and probably close the gap with where the Saints are at, you know, right now for the NFC South on. If you can't get Jimmy Garoppolo, what's the safest or best thing for the Raiders? Something like Stidham and draft Anthony Richardson? I mean, how how did you come out of the combine with him with all his incredible numbers? Do you put any stock in that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's intriguing because we, we knew he was fast. We knew he was athletic and stuff, but to actually see it, you know, kind of on paper, I think, solidifies that. Obviously, there are still some accuracy issues, but I think given the right frame and context for his, you know, offensive scheme and what he's going to be dealing with at the NFL level, like, I think there's a ton of upside with him. So I don't know if that's the safest case for the Las Vegas Raiders, but I definitely think it's probably, you know, the most intriguing. I think the safest case would probably be getting something like, you know, Jacoby Brissett in free agency oh as God. kind of like a bridge nice. gap or something Woo! like that. Uh to, to to a guy like Anthony Richardson, or maybe or maybe you know maybe this is the year that you do try and bottom out. I know you have a ton of you know uh, veteran type guys at key positions, but you know things could turn around relatively quickly if you do end up with the number one pick in next year's draft as well. So uh, although it's not you know a safe option, you know the, the the prudent option, especially if Josh McDaniels feels safe, might be I would say you know uh, to bottom out from the Raiders' perspective and get a guy like Caleb Williams next year. Ben, we're trying to do a radio show in Las Vegas. If they get Jacoby Brissett, it'll be the least interesting option they could possibly do this offseason. I mean, Ed asked for safest. That's why I said it was the safest. I mean, it definitely fits from that perspective. They're not, they're not showing out a ton of money. and you know, But unfortunately, yeah, they're not going to get anywhere close, I would say, competing for that division with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. But, but does Jimmy Garoppolo really get get you there either i guess that's got to be the other question he's he's more exciting than jacoby Brissett. yes jared (laughs) stidham coming back is more exciting than jacoby Brissett. like that's the worst possible option um i I don't know if aaron Rodgers in that division gets in there well yeah nobody gets them there right it's the Mahomes and the chiefs they're not going anywhere uh all right have you or i don't even i assume they're available have you started betting on draft props did the combine send you over the edge with quarterbacks being taken in the top 10 are there any props for the draft that you're already looking at yeah i i mean i think you can bet on like team to make the first overall selection i do like carolina at like plus 300 i think that's a good spot i also think christian gonzalez first cornerback off the board is it is very clearly the correct side to be on coming out of the draft. I think he tested, you know, close to a guy like JC Horn did two years ago, just an absolute athletic freak, but also does have, you know, a ton of tape at Oregon to actually show that he can play in either a man or zone type scheme at the NFL level. So I think, uh, you know, Chris Gonzalez off the board as the first cornerback, even at like minus 200. 
uh, just makes too much sense. So yeah, definitely, definitely diving into the uh, the NFL draft props. Is that something that uh, you guys get offered in Las Vegas, or is that something that the the board doesn't allow at this point in time? Uh, pretty certain they don't allow betting yeah, on NFL draft props. Too. Yeah, it's a, it's a, somehow we went from being the best place to bet on sports to uh, not to being <laughs> right. the worst. To being the worst. Wait, oh, <laughs> it's a trip to Arizona. I wanted to ask. I wanted to ask you this, Ben. When is uh, PFF, when are you guys going to come out with some WWE numbers since WWE is trying to legalize sports betting on their fixed results? Right. So we, we, uh, we actually had a discussion on it in you know, our, uh, a company Slack channel yesterday because a lot of our developers are big WWE fans. So we'll have to get the numbers going. I have actually, I know like the legal markets are trying to get involved, but there have been offshores where you can bet, uh, you know, like the Royal Rumble entry point or exit point for certain for certain people and i think that's some of the most enjoyable the most enjoyable bets that you can offer uh, i would say so i think if we can get to that point with the royal rumble wow. uh it, it might top the super bowl as maybe the best betting option <laughs> for anyone out there. it's a fixed result ben come on right right be great i can't wait all right uh before we let you go um do you have any good xfl bets for people this morning Oh man, I don't. I, this has been, you know, the spot where I need to probably step my game up. I do think the market has, um, you know, moved in our direction. I know we talked about the Houston Roughnecks before the season. I do think they are clearly the best team uh, in the XFL. So uh, I know a lot of people like the DC Defenders as well. Maybe they're a little bit short as you know minus six favorites against the Vegas Vipers because. I don't know. I, I don't know what you guys have seen from Vegas, but I, I, I yeah. think they might be a little bit bigger than, Our you know, a, a six-point dog right now to D.C. So I think D.C. minus six is probably the spot I would go. Vipers get a second-half lead. Bet the other side. Three straight <laughs> right. now. Oh, right. and three. Three straight. <laughs> well, you, you don't want to give up those 65-yard touchdowns on fourth and two with a minute left in the game. Right, right. Those are the key. Those are keys. So. <laughs> he is Ben Brown from Pro Football Focus. Ben, as always, we appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, guys. Have a great show. So there's Ben Brown from Pro Football Focus, and I am excited to ask Ben about betting on a scripted WWE result at some point in the future because we talked about this a little bit yesterday. It sounds incredibly insane that somebody would legalize yeah, sports would betting. Legalize that on that. But somebody's going to. We're going to be like, oh, yeah, the state of Michigan, of course, we legalize betting on WWE. Why wouldn't we? And it's be like, because oh, okay. we know who's winning. <laughs> But it's good. Some because state is going to do gonna it. Win. Some state is going to legalize it. That's going to. Well, be- someone's going to. Someone who knows beforehand what's happening is going to make a hell of a lot of money. It could be us. How do we know the script? I fine. Get in contact with somebody. Get some sources. <laughs> Let's go. Start calling up the WWE and be like, "Hey, who uh, who does the typing around there?" We'll have them on the show. They'll think it's great, and then they'll like owe us one. Yeah. Yeah, send us the script, and then, but then we'll have to like fly to Michigan because it won't be yeah, legal here. Yeah, because it won't be legal here. Because, but that'll know, be worth we're it. A little smarter here. That'll be worth it. Coming up next on ESPN Las Vegas, is Aaron Rodgers going to get traded soon? Matt Stafford's fully available. For Matt Stafford, they're trying to. They would love to trade. They could. They can't do it because he's got fifty-seven million guaranteed. When I say guaranteed, that's for skill and injury. The Ram. What are they going to do? They're trying to get out from it. So I don't really want to hear the bull. Oh, we're not trying to trade them. Yes, you are. You've called teams. I know this. And so, like, I don't really care what they say. Like, they all lie about it. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. You guys are going to have to help me out here. Um, Sports Illustrated did a story about the Packers and trading away Aaron Rodgers, and they had three NFL executives give them trade proposals that the Jets would send to the Packers. 
Here they are. A 2023 fifth round pick and a 2024 third round pick. The second offer was just multiple mid and late round picks over the next three drafts. And the third offer was a 2023 third round pick and a 2024 third round pick. Why would they do any of those? I have I mean, literally they, no do, idea. Do they not like him that much now? And he's just gotten on their nerves so much they're like, we just got to move on from this guy. Because here's the scenario for the Packers. If Aaron Rodgers <laughs> is on the Packers roster this year, his cap hit is $31.6 million. If Aaron Rodgers gets traded, his cap hit against the Packers is a dead cap hit of $40 million. If they trade him, they lose $8.4 million in cap space. Now, they do not have to pay his salary, which is almost $60 million. So I guess they do get the benefit of not paying him physical cash. But from a roster construction standpoint, I cannot imagine the Green Bay Packers trading away their franchise quarterback, taking on an extra $8.4 million in debt in cap space because you traded him, and doing all of that for a third-round pick or I a fifth-round pick. I can't believe that. You're going to lose cap space and you're getting mid-round picks for that guy? That would be the worst asset management I don't think maybe I've ever that. seen. I mean, they might be fed up with them, but I don't know if they're that fed up with right. them to take that on. Right. Because, like, I, can't, I just can't imagine them doing that because you can't be that annoyed with Aaron Rodgers to just... Hand him to someone for right, absolutely nothing, and then take on that dead cap. It you can't be because again, I asked this earlier in the week. What exactly has Aaron Rodgers forced the Packers to do by like he's taking his time, right? And he's as usual, and it probably I'm sure it annoys the Packers. But it is March 10th. If Aaron Rodgers had come out and said, "I'm coming back to Green Bay," what would the Packers have already done differently than they have right now? Nothing. Nothing. And if Rodgers had come out and said already, trade me away to the Jets, what would have happened? They would have traded him to the Jets maybe by now, but they wouldn't have made there's no other moves they would have made. It's March 10th. There's nothing the Packers have would have been able to do by now. So sure, he might be dragging it on. It might be annoying, but there's no tangible effect on your organization right now because there's nothing you can do as an organization yet. So I'm just to me the idea of be like if the Packers trade Aaron Rodgers for a third-round pick, for a fifth-round pick, for a combination of mid- and late-round picks, the Packers will have effectively let feelings get in the way of asset management, mm-hmm. which is the worst thing well, you can possibly do in the NFL. I don't know if they're that dumb. They can't be. No. I don't think they're that dumb. Look, I, I have every reason to believe he's just going back to Green Bay. I, this is why every offseason I have felt like Rodgers is staying in Green Bay because it has not made sense in one offseason for the Packers to trade Rodgers. It, right. it has never made well, sense for them sense to move Rodgers. Well, this doesn't make sense at all if these are the offers. And it still doesn't unless they're getting back quality draft compensation. Right. Starting with a one. Yeah, if you're getting back quality draft compensation, then, then trade them. You, you can make it make sense. You're still going to take on the dead cap hit and all right. that, and maybe next year you're not very good, but you're getting the additional first-round pick and potentially more than one. We'll see. I think it was Michael Lombardi reported yesterday the Packers are asking for two first-round picks. But I would be blown away if they made those trades because – you can make the argument that, oh, the Packers don't want to pay him and they'd love to not pay him $60 million. 
But the Packers are going to bring Rodgers back if Rodgers says he wants to play in Green Bay. Sure. So they're they're clearly willing to pay him the yeah. $60 million that he's going to get. It's just if Rodgers demands a trade, they'll move him. But they just they can't move him for that. No. If Here's the thing. If Rodgers demands a trade and the Jets are only offering a third and a fifth, then the Packers should just say, sorry, Aaron, we're not moving you for a third and a fifth. And if Rodgers says, well, I'm not playing for you, great. Jordan Love's our starting quarterback. Right. Because they're clearly prepared to go to Jordan Love because that's why they would explore trading him. I just, I can't imagine them trading him for that little. That's I can't imagine that's what the GMs are saying, that that's going to happen. Yeah. it's so. One of the GMs actually said, if I was Rodgers, I would demand the Packers send a pick with me to the Jets. <laughs> okay, hey, these guys are just trying to work a deal. Right? I was like, what? Why okay, would the Packers give, give you up Aaron an Rogers. asset? You don't want to do it? We're going to give you Aaron Rodgers and a two. <laughs> Okay, we'll do it now. The Packers would trade their franchise. Well, you franchise. know, come on, guys. He's a bit of a headache. <laughs> yeah. They would trade their franchise quarterback, lose cap space, and give up a pick to do, to do it. I'm like, there's no way. They don't hate him that much. I'm like, they, they don't have an owner, but they have a front office. Yeah. It's not just the shareholders voting on the who to trade him stands. for. God, when are we buying our shares so we can complain about it's, our GM? That actually was my next question. Has anyone done that that story yet? <laughs> I talked to an owner of the Green Bay Packers. Jimmy was down at his he, job. He owns one share. I have not I have not seen any Packers owners comments on this. But we need to become one so we can yell at the Packers front office if they do something stupid like this. I wonder how this. much that costs. I think we figured out it costs like 40 bucks. I thought it was like a 140 or something the last time they did it. Oh yeah, you're right. I think it was it was it was something that was Surprisingly reasonable, but also you're all you get to do is have a piece of paper that says I own the Green Bay Packers. Here's a question for you: Do they even send you the little certificate, or do you have to print it off yourself? They probably used to send you like a plaque, and yeah. now they're like, "Yeah, here's a QR here's code." A, yeah, because yeah, the 140 you'd be spending too much in the plaque. You wouldn't make really any profit That's margin, right. so the paper would be a lot cheaper. You just send them a PDF that just yeah. says Green Bay yeah, Packers. Yeah, you got to download it yourself. Owner or something like that. We should get we can we we should buy one and frame it in the studio when it's a uh, remodeled, Jared. Packers owners. Oh, it's 250 it was $250. Oh, man. There's a handling fee. We'll get that done. <laughs> we'll get that done. <laughs> There's a handling fee which means they probably still don't ship it. It's a handling fee on a PDF being delivered to your email. <laughs> Is what it is at the end of the day. I think we would get, if we did it, we would get to like go to Zooms where like we talk to the Packers GM and stuff. I don't know if we'd actually get to talk, but like a town hall style. Here's the GM telling the 400 owners what he's doing that day.